my name is Michael, and today we'll be talking about human anatomy and physiology. This is the first episode of studying for nursing school, and I'll be going over the levels of organization in body cavities first. So the first section here is chemical. The chemical level involves interactions among atoms and their combination into molecules. An organelle. An organelle is a small structure contained within a cell that performs one or more specific functions. A cell. A cell. They are the basic functional units of life. All cells share many characteristics, but they differ in structure and function. Tissue. A tissue is a group of cells with similar structures and functions. An organ is composed of two or more tissues that together perform one or more common function. An organ system. An organ system is a group of organs classified as a unit because of a common function or a set of functions. An organism is any living thing considered as a whole. Organisms can have anywhere from a single cell to trillions of cells. And there's also a diagram showing uh, all the way from an atom to an organism. And in order to get to that, first there's an atom, second a molecule, third a cell, fourth tissue, fifth organ, sixth organ system, seventh organism. Okay, and now we'll talk about body cavities. Uh, the body cavities within the human body. First we have the thoracic cavity. It is surrounded by the rib cage and separated from the abdominal cavity by the diaphragm. It is divided into right and left halves by a structure called the mediastinum. It contains the esophagus, trachea, thymus gland, heart, and both lungs, along with other structures. The next cavity is the abdominal cavity. It is bounded by the abdominal muscles below the thoracic cavity and contains the stomach, intestines, liver, spleen, pancreas, and kidneys. The next is the pelvic cavity. It is enclosed by the bones of the pelvis and contains the urinary bladder, part of the intestines, and the internal reproductive organs. The abdominal and pelvic cavities are sometimes referred to as the abdominal pelvic cavity. The next cavity is the dorsal. It is the back of the human body and it is subdivided into two cavities the cranial and the spinal. The cranial cavity contains the brain and the spinal cavity contains the spinal cord. And just a quick question here, uh, which of the following organs is located in the pelvic cavity? Is it A, heart, B, intestines, C, liver, or D, pancreas? So if you go back and look over here on our body cavities part of the sheet, we can see here that the organs that are located in the pelvic cavity, we have urinary bladder, part of the intestines, and the internal reproductive organs. 
So that would mean it would be B intestines that are located in the pelvic cavity. And now after the body cavities, we're going to go to the terminology and body planes and regions. So first we have inferior, which means a structure below another. Superior, a structure above another. Posterior, toward the back of the body. Dorsal, toward the back. Ventral, toward the front. Proximal, closer to the point of attachment to the body than another structure. Distal, farther from the point of attachment to the body. Lateral, away from the midline of the body. Medial, toward the middle or midline of the body. Superficial, toward or on the surface. Deep, away from the surface. Antero superior, in front of or above. Midline, a median line. Supine position, lying flat with face and torso facing upward. Prone position, lying face down. And now we move on to body planes. Uh, these are sectioning the body in a way to look inside and observe the body structure. And these are the following major planes of the body. The sagittal plane, it runs vertically through the body and separates the body into right and left parts. The, the mid-sagittal plane divides the body into two equal halves. The transverse plane runs parallel to the surface of the ground and divides the body into superior and inferior planes. The coronal plane, sometimes called the frontal plane, runs vertically from left to right and divides the body into anterior and posterior parts. Body regions. So what we're looking at here is the body divided into the following four regions. You have the upper limb. The upper limb includes the arm, forearm, wrist, and hand. Lower limb. The lower limb is divided into the thigh, leg, ankle, and foot. Central region. The central region includes the neck and trunk. And the head region. The head region includes the entire head. So we have an example here. The wrist is blank to the shoulder. Is it A, distal, B, lateral, C, median, or D, superior? So if we go back here, we can look at that. So the wrist, and we'll look at the terminology here. And we'll see what it says. So it looks like it would be A, distal. The wrist is farther from the point of attachment than the shoulder. So it is distal to the shoulder because it is so far away. Okay, and now we can talk about human tissues. If you didn't know, a tissue is a group of cells with similar structure and function and similar extracellular substances located between the cells. The table below describes the four primary tissues found in the human body. 
we have connective tissue, which is characterized by extracellular material that separates cells from one another. The function of the connective tissue is to enclose and separate, connecting tissues to one another, supportive in moving, storing, cushioning, and insulating, transporting, and protecting. An example for connective tissue would be cells of the immune system in blood. Uh, the next tissue is the epithelial, which is classified according to the number of cell layers and shapes. It is protecting underlying structures, acting as barriers, permitting the passage of substances, secreting substances, and an example for epithelial skin, linings of internal organs, that would be an example. The next tissue is muscle. These are cells of muscles resemble long threads and are called fibers. The function is to provide movement, and an example would be the heart and the organs of the digestive system. The next tissue is the neural tissue. The structure are the cells are composed of dendrites, cell bodies, and axons. The function, coordinating and controlling many body activities. And an example of a neural tissue is the brain or the spinal cord. And here we have another example. Uh, it's just a quick question. Which type of tissue controls when the heart beats? Is it A, connective, B, epithelial, C, muscle, or D, nervous? So we can look back here and we can see that if we look, uh, the muscle tissue is responsible for the actual movement of the heart, but the neural tissue tells the heart when to beat. So that means it would be the neural or nervous tissue. Okay, and now we can talk about homeostasis and feedback mechanisms. Uh, homeostasis is the existence and maintenance of a relatively constant environment within the body. Each cell of the body is surrounded by a small amount of fluid and the normal functions of each cell depend on the maintenance of its fluid environment within a narrow range of conditions, including temperature, volume, and chemical content. These conditions are known as variables. For example, body temperature is a variable that can increase in a hot environment or decrease in a cold environment. There are two types of feedback mechanisms in the human body. There are negative and positive. Negative feedback. Most systems of the body are regulated by negative feedback mechanisms, which maintain homeostasis. Negative means that any deviation from the set point is made smaller or is resisted. The maintenance of normal blood pressure is a negative feedback mechanism. Normal blood pressure is important because it is responsible for moving blood from the heart to tissues. Positive feedback. The positive feedback mechanisms are not homeostatic and are rare in healthy individuals 
positive means that when a deviation from a normal value occurs, the response of the system is to make the deviation even greater. Positive feedback therefore usually creates a cycle leading away from homeostasis and in some cases results in death. Having inadequate delivery of blood to cardiac muscles are an example of positive feedback. An example would be childbirth is a response to hormones in a woman's body. What type of feedback mechanism is at work during childbirth? We have A, neutral feedback, B, positive feedback, C, negative feedback, or D, need more information. So we can see here, during childbirth, frequency and strength of the contractions increases until the contractions are powerful enough to deliver the baby. So that means the answer would be positive feedback because when a deviation from a normal value occurs, the system is making the deviation even greater to be able for the baby to be delivered. Okay, and we can review that section. So the body can be studied at seven structural levels. The human body has multiple body cavities. Directional terms refer to the body in the anatomical position. Sectioning the body is a way to look inside and observe the body's structure. The four primary tissues found in the human body are connective, epithelial, muscular, and nervous. Homeostasis is the existence and maintenance of a relatively constant environment within the body. The two types of feedback mechanisms in the human body are negative and positive feedback mechanisms. The next system we'll be talking about is the cardiovascular system. So we'll look at the autonomy of blood or anatomy of blood. Blood is the type of fluid connective tissue that circulates throughout the body, carrying substances to and away from bodily tissues. It has a pH of about 7.4 and is more viscous than water. Blood consists of three types of formed elements, an extracellular matrix called plasma, molecules, cell fragments, and debris. The formed elements consist of red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. They are also referred to as urethrocytes, leukocytes, and thrombocytes, respectively. The following table will detail what these are and what they mean. So for red blood cells, they are urethrocytes. The size is about 0 0.008 millimeters. They participate in gas exchange, primarily with oxygen and carbon dioxide, that is red blood cells. White blood cells are leukocytes, and they are 0 0.02 millimeters, and they protect the body from foreign substances by eliciting an immune response, that is white blood cells. Platelets, they are known as thrombocytes. Their size is 0 0.003 millimeters, and they aid in the blood clotting and wound healing, that is the platelets. 
Plasma is a bit different from other types of connective tissue because it is a fluid consisting of about 92% water and formed elements remain suspended in the matrix where they are circulated through the body. Okay, and we'll move on here. So we have an example here. A laboratory technician needs to determine the leukocyte count in a patient. From which part of a blood sample are these cells extracted? So we have A, water, B, buffy coat, C, liquid plasma, or D, reddish mass. So what we're looking for is a buffy coat, which contains white blood cells or leukocytes, and platelets in blood. So that would be the correct answer. And a buffy coat is something that consists of white blood cells and platelets. And if we look here, when a blood sample is spun in a centrifuge, less dense plasma floats on top of a reddish mass that consists of red blood cells. And for the buffy coat, the layer is found between the reddish mass and plasma layers. Okay, functions of blood. We'll look here. Uh, transportation, regulation, and protection are three primary functions of blood. Blood transports the following substances throughout the body. We have gases. Blood delivers oxygen from the lungs to all cells in the body. It also transports carbon dioxide to the lungs for elimination from the body. We have nutrients. Blood transports nutrients from the digestive tract and storage sites in the body to various places in the body. Waste. Blood transports waste products to the liver where they are excreted as bile. Waste products also travel by blood to the kidneys when they need to be excreted as urine. And hormones. Blood transports hormones from the glands where they are produced to their target organs. However, blood's primary function is to distribute substances throughout the body. It is also it also has regulatory functions. These functions include the regulation of body temperature, chemical balance, and water balance. Blood ensures the right body temperature is maintained with help from plasma and the speed of blood flow. Plasma is able to absorb or give off heat, as shown in the following image. When blood vessels expand or vasodilate, blood flows slowly, causing heat loss. This occurs when the temperature of the external environment is high. If external environmental temperatures are low, blood vessels contract or vasoconstrict, causing less heat to be released. So vasodilating is when blood flows slowly, causing heat loss, and vasoconstricting causes less heat to be released because the temperatures are lower. Blood functions as a form of protection, defending the body against foreign invaders or pathogens that harm the body. As blood circulates through the body, it carries white blood cells and antibodies. 
that destroy any pathogens they encounter with the help of platelets and plasma proteins. Blood also protects the body from extensive blood loss if a blood vessel is damaged. Okay, and we have an example here. Platelets are important because they A. Give blood its natural color. B. Repair broken blood vessels. C. Transport nutrients to the cells. Or D. Protect the body against infection. Platelets are important because they B. Repair broken blood vessels. And this is because at the site of the injury or damage to a blood vessel, platelets help repair the damaged area. Okay, and now we'll take a look at hemeostasis. Recalling that a function of platelets and plasma proteins is to repair damaged blood vessels. When blood vessels are damaged, a physiological process called hemeostasis is activated. Hemeostasis helps maintain blood in its fluid state and stops blood from leaking out of a damaged blood vessel through clot formation. As shown in the image below, there are three steps of hemeostasis. Step one, vascular spasm. That is when the platelet and the vessel injury occurs. Step two, platelet plug formation. This is when the platelet plug closes to prevent any more blood loss. And step three is blood clotting or the formation of fibrin. The first step is vascular spasm, vascular spasm or vasoconstriction, where the blood vessels constrict to reduce blood loss. Reducing blood loss for several hours, this process works best with small blood vessels. The second step is platelet plug formation. Platelets adhere to the epithelial wall of the blood vessel and aggregate by sticking together. This creates a temporary seal over the damaged site. In the third step, blood coagulation occurs, also known as blood clotting. This process is a series of events that strengthens the platelet plug by using fibrin threads to form a mesh around the plug. The protein mesh functions as molecular glue, securing the plug to the damaged site. Red blood cells and platelets remain trapped at the damaged site forming a clot that facilitates wound healing. What happens after platelets aggregate at a damaged blood vessel site? Is it A, the site of the wound is healed, B, the damaged blood vessel constricts, C, the platelets stick together and form a plug, or D, red blood cells are recruited to the injured site? It would be C, the platelets stick together and form a plug. That is because after the platelets aggregate at the damaged site, they stick together to form a plug. Next, blood coagulation occurs when a fibrin mesh forms around the platelet aggregate. Okay, we'll look at blood grouping and agglutination. There are several different types of there are several different types of groups of blood. And the major groups are A, B, AB, and O. Blood group is a way to classify blood according to inherited differences of red blood cells. 
antigens found on the surface of a red blood cell. The type of antibody in blood also identifies a particular blood group. Antibodies are proteins found in plasma. They function as part of the body's natural defense to recognize foreign substances and alert the immune system. Depending on which antigen is inherited, parental offspring will have one of the four major blood groups. Collectively, the following major blood groups comprise the ABO system. Blood group A displays type A antigens on the surface of a red blood cell and contains B antibodies in the plasma. Blood group B displays type B antigens on the red blood cell surface and contains A antibodies in the plasma. Blood group O does not display A or B antigens on the surface of a red blood cell. Both A and B antibodies are in the plasma. Blood group AB display types A and B antigens on the red blood cell surface, but neither A nor B antibodies are in the plasma. In addition to antigens, the Rh factor protein may exist on a red blood cell surface. Because this protein can be either present or absent, it increases the number of major blood groups from 4 to 8. So we have A plus or A negative, we have B positive or B negative, we have O positive or O negative or AB positive and AB negative. Okay, and we have a table that summarizes what blood type a person can receive or donate. So for blood group A, they can accept blood from an A type or an O type and they can donate blood to someone who is an A or AB type. For blood group B, they can accept blood from a B or O, and they can donate blood to a B or an AB. Blood group AB can accept blood from AB, A, B, or O, and they can donate blood to AB. Blood group O can accept blood from O, but they can donate blood to AB, A, B, and O. When determining an individual's blood type, a sample of blood is mixed with an antiserum. If agulination or clumping occurs during the process, the antibody has found an antigen with the antibodies uh, with which to interact. This means there are antigens on the surface of the red blood cell to which the antibodies can bind. Evidence of agulination is used to interpret the final blood type result from a sample. People with type O blood can accept blood from people with blank blood. That would be A type O because people with type O blood are universal donors, but they can only accept blood from people with type O blood. Okay, and we'll look at the cardiovascular anatomy now. The cardiovascular system circulates substances throughout the body using blood as a transporting mechanism. 
the organs of the cardiovascular system work together to supply cells and tissues with oxygen and nutrients and remove cellular waste such as carbon dioxide, blood, heart, and blood vessels from the system. Because blood circulation is a closed-loop system, blood is contained within the heart or blood vessels at all times. There are three types of blood vessels. We have arteries, veins, and capillaries. Arteries carry blood away from the heart toward organs and tissues. Veins carry blood towards the heart away from the organs and tissues. Arteries branch into smaller blood vessels called arterioles, which further divide into capillaries. Okay, and veins branch into venules before further dividing into capillaries. And capillaries are tiny vessels that form a network around tissues. The heart is found between the lungs and the middle of the chest. It rests behind and slightly to the left of the sternum or breastbone. The human heart is a muscular organ composed primarily of cardiac muscle. It consists of four chambers, two upper chambers called the atria, and two lower chambers called the ventricles. The atria are separated from the ventricles by a muscular structure called the septum. Three layers make up the heart wall. There are the perseridium, or outer layer, the myocardium, or middle layer, and the endocardium, or the innermost layer. Most cardiac muscle tissue is found in the myocardium, which is the middle layer. Okay. In addition to the four chambers, the heart also has four valves that regulate blood flow into and out of the heart. We have the uh, tricuspid valve that regulates blood flow between the right atrium and right ventricle. Pulmonary valve regulates blood flow from the right ventricle into the pulmonary artery. Mitral valve regulates blood flow from the left atrium into the right ventricle. And the aortic valve regulates blood flow from the left ventricle to the aorta. The aorta is the largest artery in the body. Which heart layer is composed primarily of cardiac muscle? Is it A, myocardium, B, pericardium, C, septum, or D, sternum? If we remember from earlier, it was stated that the most cardiac muscle tissue is found in the myocardium. So that means that it is A, myocardium, because the heart is composed of three layers, and the myocardium is the middle, and the myocardium contains cardiac muscle tissue. Okay, we have circulation and the cardiac cycle next. Blood continually flows in one direction, beginning in the heart and proceeding to the arteries, arterioles, and capillaries. When blood reaches the capillaries, exchanges occur between blood and tissues. After this exchange happens, blood is collected into venules, which feed into veins and eventually flow back to the heart's atrium. The heart must relax between two heartbeats for blood circulation to begin. Two types of circulatory process occur in the body, 
The first is systematic circulation. Step one, the pulmonary vein pushes oxygenated, oxygenated blood into the left atrium. Two, as the atrium relaxes, oxygenated blood drains into the left ventricle through the mitral valve. Three, the left ventricle pumps oxygenated blood to the aorta. And four, blood travels through the arteries and arterioles before reaching the capillaries that surround the tissues. That was the systematic or systemic circulation. The second one is pulmonary circulation. Step one, two major veins, the superior vena cava and the inferior vena cava, brings deoxygenated blood from the upper and lower half of the body. Step two, this deoxygenated blood is pulled into the right atrium and then sent into the right ventricle through the tricuspid valve, which prevents blood from flowing backward. Three, the right ventricle contracts, causing the blood to be pushed through the pulmonary valve into the pulmonary artery. Step four, deoxygenated blood becomes oxygenated in the lungs. And step five, oxygenated blood returns from the lungs to the left atrium through the pulmonary veins. Okay, that was probably a lot of information, but if you go back and just listen to the two types of circulation, it should help you understand the cardiac cycle. The complete cycle, beginning with atrial contraction and ending with the ventricle contraction, is called the cardiac cycle. When the heart contracts and pumps blood into systematic or systemic circulation, this is called systole. Distole refers to the period of relaxation when the heart chambers fill with blood. Because the heart is a muscle transmitting electrical impulses that cause the heart to contract, this electrical activity can be recorded using an electrocardiogram or EKG. An EKG is a graph that shows the heart rate and rhythm over a period of time. The first wave on an EKG is the P wave. This indicates atrial contraction or systole. The QRS complex represents the combination of Q, R, and S waves. This indicates ventricle systole contraction. The T wave indicates ventricle distal. The flat line between the S and the T wave is the ST segment. Okay, we have an example which segment of the electrocardiogram is associated with atrial systole. So if we look back at our previous paragraph here, we can see that the atrial systole occurs when the atrium contracts on an AKG. Atrial systole is indicated by a P wave. So it would be A, P wave. And we can also see that this indicates atrial contraction or systole in regards to the previous paragraph that we just read. In just reviewing the section, we can see that blood is a type of connective tissue composed of formed elements, plasma, and other substances. Urethrocytes, leukocytes, and thrombocytes are the formed elements that make up blood. Blood transports substances throughout the body and regulates 
physiological processes and protects the body. We know there are four common blood groups. They are determined by inherited differences in antigens on red blood cells. Agglutination or clumping can be used to help interpret the blood type of a blood sample. We know the cardiovascular system circulates blood throughout the body in a closed loop structure. We know the heart is a muscular organ with four chambers, two atria and two ventricles. We know that deoxygenated blood flows through pulmonary circulation and oxygenated blood flows through systemic circulation or systemic circulation. The cardiac cycle refers to the contraction and relaxation states of the atria and ventricles. And we also know an electrocardiogram or EKG is used to record heartbeat and rhythm. All right, that is all for today. I will continue on to the next lesson where we'll learn about the respiratory system. Uh, my name is Michael. If you liked what you heard and you want others to know about it, just go ahead and leave a review wherever you are. If you're on YouTube, just leave a comment, like the video. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, go ahead and just leave a review. Any feedback at all is greatly appreciated. And I'm also using this as a study guide for myself so I can listen to it while I'm at work. So if this helps you, then that's all I want to do. Thank you. Have a good day.